0: everyone you're listening to Ed Young Radio Ed Pastor's Fellowship Church and we want to thank you for listening with us These next few minutes together can change your life and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com Enjoy the message I want to tell you a story about a snake I've talked about snakes a lot over the years and I've always liked snakes but my parents told me in no uncertain terms Ed we know you like reptiles Don't ever bring a snake into our house. And that was clear, that was like a major family rule. Don't bring a snake in the house. When I was in high school, my parents left on a little trip, a little vacation by themselves. And couples, that's a real vacation. I would challenge you, especially if you have kids, take vacations by yourself. When you take the kids, it's a family outing. (laughs) Take a vacation. They were out of town and, you know, I had some free time, which is always a little bit dangerous. And back in the day, kids, there were pet stores at the mall. Are you believing that? And we would sometimes hang out at the mall. I know malls are not hip anymore, but that's what we did. And there was a snake there, a boa constrictor. And again, while my parents were away, I bought this boa constrictor i 'll never forget I had ten dollars to my name. I bought the snake for ten dollars took him home, and I thought I would have to hide the snake and This was during the urban cowboy era. You remember that urban cowboy? And it was really hip and cool to wear the boots and the, the western shirts and the hats and I had a big cowboy hat box so I I destructed the box and put the box around the aquarium so it looked like a hat box, put the snake in the aquarium, which looked like a hat box, and put it on the top of my chest of drawers. My parents came back and they had no idea that we had a boa constrictor in our house, a little boa constrictor. One day though, he would grow to be a giant boa constrictor, yet they had no idea until finally, 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 I told them about the Boil Constrictor. I thought, you know, they're in a good mood. They're coming back from this vacation. I got this snake. And, and, and after several days, they, they were like, uh, Ed, the snake's gone. The snake is out of the house. So what I did was I took the snake to youth group and we fed the snake mice and We'd watch him you know, do his thing and eat, eat the mice, and I gave him away, and who knows where the snake is now? Probably in the sewer somewhere in Houston, about 30 feet long, <laughs> eating all sorts of rats and dogs and cats and things like that. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because my parents, just for a while, a couple of days, were with a snake in the house, and they said, Ed don't have a snake in the house. But there was a snake in the house. I want to talk to you about a snake in the house. This snake is in your house. This snake could be at your business. It's definitely at the universities, and the snake is in colleges. It could be in the boardroom. It's maybe on your athletic team. It's in the NBA. It's definitely in the NFL, it's all around the world. This snake is in the house. Yet, many of us don't even know it. My parents didn't really know it. They thought it was a hat box, right? Until I said, okay, here's the snake. Can I keep this beautiful boa constrictor? And in fact, I, I found the picture of me with the snake the day I gave the snake away, right? Look at this. See the kind of urban cowboy look? There was a the little baby boy constrictor. Seriously, that within within minutes, the snake was gone. It's amazing, isn't it? But there's a snake in the house. There's a guy named the Apostle Paul, and Paul was into pinpointing snakes in the house. Here's what he said in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. This is Paul writing. He says. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Of course, he was fighting Gnosticism. The Gnostics were people that sort of combined Christianity with New Age. He he said, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Paul was into pinpointing snakes. He said, don't let snakes in the house and definitely don't let snakes in the church. Snakes, snakes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says we're to be aware cognizant of Satan's schemes. There's a snake in the house. You're going, what are you talking about, Yeah, I get it, you talked about Gnosticism, you talked about the Apostle Paul, but you're telling me right now in my family, at the office, on the team, definitely in the media, in our government, there's a snake in the house? And even in some churches, there's a snake in the house. I'm saying yes. What am I talking about? Well, to illustrate this, I want to do a little timeline 400 BC, 20 AD. Here's a, here's a little portrait I want to draw. You know, I'm a frustrated artist, and this guy was a smart cat. I mean, brilliant guy. Some of you are like, who in the world is this, Ed? Who is this guy? Well, Plato. Plato. Philosophers say that pretty much all of philosophy is basically a footnote on Plato. That's how brilliant he was. Here's what you need to know about Plato. Not Plato, Plato. He said that everything on earth is analogous to things in heaven. That was sort of his deal and he talked about the cave and that parable Plato. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? Is he the snake? No. Is this philosophy the snake? No. Let's go now. We jumped to 1600. Is that amazing? I told you it's going to be quick. 1600 AD. Yeah, we've got to call this something. This is called pre modern. The pre modern. Modern era. The pre-modern era said that God is transcendent. Truth, stay with me now, is outside of us. It was a God-centric era in history. Now, 1600, there was a sea change. In 1600 something began to change. We go from 1600 to 1960. That little jump is gonna be called the modern era. The modern era. Science and reason and logic. Now man says, the transcendence of God, I'm not so sure. I'm gonna try to find truth away from God. That's sort of the vibe here. Are you tracking with me? So we have the pre-modern, we got Plato and and his boys from a little town called Athens. And then we jump all the way to the 1600s And we have the modern era. This guy had some funky hair. I mean, really crazy hair. He had a mustache, too. Giant beard. Little beady eyes. So, kind of curly hair a little bit. But his mustache, as I researched him, was a different color. It wasn't pink, but let's just do that. (laughs) Let me see here. That kind of looks like him a little bit. Put him on a nice shirt. Maybe a little tie. What do you say? (laughs) Carl. Who? Carl Marx. Now, we begin to see the snake. Now, we begin to identify the snake in your house, the snake at your office, the snake in our culture. We begin to identify the snake. What did I read to you? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that the devil himself has strategies, schemes. The devil is absolutely brilliant, yet he keeps on repeating play after play after play after play. I'm here to argue that Marxism is a strategy of Satan himself. You might be thinking, now wait a minute, Ed, wait a minute, are you telling me you believe in a personal evil force, a person called the devil? And I'm saying, yes, all you have to do is take a panoramic view of our world and you can see evil. What causes someone to take the life of another person in cold blood? What causes someone to abuse a child? What causes... Someone to lie and to steal and to cheat. Is it like a damaged chromosome? Were their diapers put on too tight? Was their nursery painted the wrong color? No, 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 no. What is Marxism? Marxism is a secular philosophy, an atheistic philosophy that views all of life as a power struggle between the oppressed and the oppressor. Yet in Marxism, this satanic strategy, it's never worked. I repeat, it's never worked. Well, who was this guy, Carl? Well, Carl spent his life, for the most part, breathing the free air of London he was bankrolled by his super wealthy friend. He lived and philosophized in the British Museum, an ancient coffee shop, <laughs> just philosophizing and talking and thinking. He was an atheist. He's kind of a bad guy. Yet, Marxism, man, is sexy, it's cool, right? Marxism works. Are you kidding me? Lenin, Mao, Castro, Maduro, a hundred and ten million murdered. Marxism. The snake. The snake that we're dealing with right now. But see, Marxism has sort of changed a little bit. It's morphed into something cool. I'm not telling someone to do this, but let me draw a martini glass. I'm not telling anybody to drink but I want to draw you a marx (laughs) Marxism didn't work. So a lot of the people that bought into this crazy, I'll say it again, devilistic mentality sort of kept their Marxism deal going, but they jumped off of Marxism like rats off the Titanic, and they began to combine something called critical theory This is how to make a Marxarita. if you want the recipe. So you, ha- you take some critical theory and then you take a little bit of, uh-oh, here we go. Post-modernism, that's from 1960 until where we are today. Take a little PM, post-modernism. Then a little bit of classic Marxism and you've got a Marxarita. I'm afraid that a lot of us are wasted away in Marxeritaville. I'm afraid that we're drinking the communistic Kool-Aid of Marxism 2.0, critical theory, postmodernism, which are just different ways to say Marxism. And I've even talked and seen pastors and young Christians to see the compassion that Marxists have in our culture today and they allow compassion and feelings to rule them and they end up fighting against the very institutions that God has set forth. I'm talking to you about the snake that's in the house, and I'm identifying this snake. It's very complex to identify this snake, but I'm telling you, it's a marksarita. And the marksarita has been poured on three areas. Number one, our educational system. Parents, we pay a fortune, go into debt, to send our kids to communistic colleges. Because Dr. Fuzzy Face was a weed-smoking, heroin-shooting-up Woodstocker who, who, who finally got some degree and he's teaching at the local university. Academia, for the most part, always leans left. Almost always. Karl Marx was influenced by his professor. That's where he adopted atheism and some of the foundations that led to Marxism. Read a cool story about this. In around 1917, the Orthodox Church of Russia had a meeting for several days about theology. They wanted to make sure that everybody was on the same page, theologically. But on the last day, they had an argument about the color of their robes. I mean, it was a heated argument. For 10 hours, the color of their robes, the church was talking about that. Yet, five blocks away, Lenin was using Marxism, communism, all the other isms to overthrow Russia. And within several months, He overthrew Russia. Atheism was the religion and the church was gone. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is arguing and talking about the color of robes when we have people who are trying to take away our freedom of religion, our freedom of speech, our freedom to bear arms, our freedom. Yet, the hypocrisy is absolutely amazing. Think about the terrifying, tremendous concepts. Number one, Marxism, this new Marxism is about man. Obviously, Christianity is about God. Marxism is about division. It's about dividing, dividing, dividing by race, by gender, by sexual orientation. So for example, if you are a Latin transgender woman, listen to me now, you have more moral authority than I do because I'm just a white guy. How sick is that? Do you understand that? Oh, if I'm, if I'm a transgender, Latin, female, I can say and do anything. Not the white man. See, they talk about power. They talk about oppression. They want to oppress you. They talk about blame. They're going to blame you. They talk about intolerance. They're intolerant. If we don't jump through their little hoops, they cancel us. The third one is victimization. Oh man, are we so good at being the victim these days? Oh, it's your fault. Oh, it's the oppressor's fault. Christianity says the opposite. I mean, the cure for all this is the gospel. It's the gospel. A political strategy ain't gonna get us to where we need to go. I'm sorry. I mean, Great, but it's not going to be through politics. It's going to be through heart transformation. Yet, as a believer, I realize that I've blamed. I realize that I've oppressed people. I realize that I've been oppressed. I get it. But I take responsibility for my life as a self centered sinner in need of the sinless sovereign Savior. Jesus Christ. That's the deal. So once, once you make that decision, you realize we're all a part of the family of God. Is there racism out there? Yes, there's some racism. There's not systemic racism in our culture. Heck to the no. We don't have a systemic skin problem. We have a systemic sin problem. And as a believer and as a church, We aggressively go after and speak truth about racism. We have a lot of compassion ministries. We want to build bridges and love people. As I've said about a squillion times here at at Fellowship Church, we don't want to confuse acceptance with approval. We have people come in here who are who are gay. We have people coming here who were adulterers, who were fornicators. We have transgender people coming here. We have people from the sex industry that come in here. We've had murderers in here. We've had all sorts of people in here, I'm, I'm telling you. And we accept everyone. As a believer, I accept, you accept, we accept. Our church accepts everyone. But that does not mean that we applaud their behavior. But this Mark Areadaville says not only do you have to accept me, woohoo, yeah, you're living in adultery, yeah, all right, you're transgender, woo, yeah, gay marriage. Sorry. When are we going to stand? I don't mean to be mean. I don't mean to to yell at anybody, but when are believers, when are pastors going to stand and say, this I believe? When are we going to speak the truth in love? We've got to face these issues. So man, God, division, unity, victimization, responsibility. One more, and then I'll do the the rest. As I said, this is the one sermon in three parts. Power versus just humility. Marxism, don't be fooled, it's all about power. Every time the devil sees power, every time he sees people with authority issues, he remembers what he didn't get done in heaven. What did he try to do in heaven? Think with me, he tried to usurp the Lord, a kingdom coup. He has major authority issues. And what is the whole ball of wax, the whole snake about called Marxism? It's about people with authority issues. Here's a quick read on Mark Saritaville. You ready for this? The problem, oppression. They're all about that. The more boxes you can check off, as I said earlier, Latin chink, female chink. Transgender, man, you've got some moral authority, all right? Solution, activism, activism, going after all authority. And the goal is all about power, power and control. Okay, the gospel, the problem is sin, responsibility. The solution is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And the goal is love. We are a place of love, but also we're a place that speaks the truth in love. So church, there's a snake out there. He's not a small one. This is a major, major situation. And your soul and your worldview is up for grabs. So what are you going to do? Argue about the color of your robes or stand for Jesus? Thank you for listening. And thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com.